Hey, this is Jordan Sutton, pastor at Clearpath Church. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. We appreciate you listening. A little about our community. We love to come together. We love to come to the Lord's table together. Uh, We're a community trying to be led by the Spirit, just walking through Scripture together, walking through life together. If this message is an encouragement to you, bring some hope to your life at the end of the sermon. There'll be a little bit of information about how you can get in touch with us. Stay tuned and thanks for joining. How are you guys doing good this morning? Excited to have the kids here with us. How many of you appreciate this last few days of weather? I thought we were going to skip 70 degrees and go straight into 45. Um, I'll be honest with you, I kind of like 45. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's nice. You get to throw on a long sleeve shirt. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I do like 110. You can embrace 110. Um, but no, this is a good time of year for Texas weather, and I'm grateful for it. I, uh, yeah, let's jump in. I, uh, been in the series on holy, and I think I said when I started the series, I don't know if I may preach on this for a year. I don't really know how long it will take. Um, but the last few weeks, how many of you have been here for some part of the time? The last few, few weeks, we've been laying a foundation of that. Zane's also preaching out of the Sermon on the Mount and just going different directions. But these things kind of weave in together because much of what the Sermon on the Mount invites us to reflect upon and our own assumptions is an invitation into a more holy life. And I, um, I, I will keep laying this foundation, but the, deline- the delineation in the Old Testament is between the holy and the common. There's the clean and the unclean and the holy and the common. And I believe that God has called us to lives that are more than common. And sometimes holiness is within ordinary part of life, but he has called us into an uncommon devotion to him. Amen? And so in addition to this, I've been reading the book of Jeremiah. My brother gave me a a word a few weeks ago that started me reading this book called Run With Horses by Eugene Peterson. If you've never read the book, it's a worthwhile read. It covers the life of Jeremiah. and, And so I just started digging into Jeremiah and that's been the well for me that I've been living in. And, and so I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to talk about a vision that God gave Jeremiah. And I'm going to read it, and then we're going to back up a little bit. But I want to start by giving a couple of excerpts from Jeremiah 23 to just give like a little picture of this vision. And then you'll understand why I'm holding this random piece of fruit. Jeremiah speaks. He says, The Lord showed me, and there were two baskets of figs set before me, before the temple of the Lord. In verse 2, it says, One basket had very good figs, like the figs that are first ripe, and the other basket had very bad figs, which could not be eaten. They were so bad. (laughs) I just love that that's there. They were so bad. Um, Then the Lord said to me, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, The figs, the good figs are very good, and the bad, very bad, (laughs) which cannot be eaten. They are so bad. (laughs) 
I love that. That was really written by Jeremiah and recorded for us in Scripture. The other night, we went over to the Tom Thompson's house, and we were going to go out to eat, let our kids hang for a while, and I came home, and there was food sitting on the counter. And like I do, if there's food sitting on the counter, I, you know, like, I can go, I can go, I can miss breakfast, lunch, I can even miss dinner, if, but if food crosses my eyes, I eat it. That's the way, I, I feel like I'm ADD enough that I don't think about food that is not in front of me. But as soon as it's in front of me, I'm like, I'm going to eat you. And so it was a pineapple sitting there. I didn't know that it would have been sitting there all day. And I ate that, and I was like, that pineapple is very bad, very bad. <laughs> and, but everyone say, I'm a good fig. I'm a good fig. I, the today's sermon title is called Good Figs, but I want to back up a little bit and give you a little bit of the story of Jeremiah. And I've talked a little bit. Judah, come up here. You're going to help me this morning. Everybody give Judah a hand. He's going to stand here. I'm going to read to you from Jeremiah 1.1 with Judah here. You don't have to read. Don't worry. Jeremiah 1.1 gives us the background of Jeremiah's life, and it's kind of the only background that we get as Eugene points out in the book. He says the words, it says, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. So I brought uh, Judah up because uh, Jeremiah was the son of a priest, and Judah isn't exactly the son of a priest, but it's the closest we got at Dallas in 2023. Um, he's the son of a pastor. And being the son of, priest, of a priest would mean that Jeremiah would grow up in a very specific way. If you talk to my kids, they would tell you that growing up as a pastor's kid, Kesey knows this, is a very specific way of growing up. Um, but let me tell you a little bit about how you would have grown up as a, as a priest. God required the whole nation of Israel to be holy, but he specifically asked the tribe of Levi to be holy in very unique, and you can stay here with me, you're good, uh, unique and special ways. Um, and so he had called them to be holy in, in some specific ways. And if you don't know, all the priests would come from the tribe of Levi. Not the whole tribe of Levi weren't priests, but they all attended to the things of God, and all the priests came from this tribe, um, originally at least. And the when the priests... Uh, came, they were, they were raised up in a very specific way, and there were lots of ways in which God wanted to make them uniquely holy. His actual desire and intent was to have a whole nation of priests, but in his willingness to work with Israel, he conceded and got a tribe. And, but there were um, just lots of things that were unique about them. But look what Numbers 8.14 says. It says, Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the children of Israelites. The Levites shall be mine. God says about the Levites that they are his. Every time I see the word mine in scripture, I can only think of, I can only think of those birds in Nemo. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> mine, 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 mine. And um, th that's, but that's the way God looks at us. Now, like, this is a specific word over a specific tribe in a specific nation. But as the covenant of God unfolds into all peoples being grafted in, 
everybody gets in on this sentiment of God, which is you are mine. Everybody say, I am his. Okay, so now that you've got Nemo birds in your, in your mind, God is that jealous about your life. He has us. We are his. Amen? Um, so, the Lord does a lot of different things. Um, I know you love this. Uh, the Lord does a lot of different things with the tribe of Levi to demonstrate this truth that they're uniquely his. So look at Deuteronomy 18, uh, 1 through 2 and 5. It says, The Levitical priests, indeed, the whole tribe of Levi, are to have no allotment or inheritance with Israel. They shall live... All right, you can sit down. Go sit down. Uh, they shall live on the food offerings presented to the Lord, for this is their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance among their fellow Israelites. The Lord is their inheritance, as he promised them. For the Lord your God has chosen them and their descendants out of all your tribes to stand and minister in the Lord's name always. So not only are the Levites, are they his, but what does he give them? He gives them himself as, as, his, as their inheritance. And so it's this really specific picture, and all of this helps you to understand. Stand up for me one more time, Judah. Come on. All this helps you to understand that. No, you're good. You can sit. You can just be right there. All this helps you to understand the son of a priest. Jeremiah is the son of a priest, as a you know, raised like a Levite would. Um, they didn't even when they went into the nation of Israel. They didn't get to get any land. So everybody had allotments of land. They went and conquered and filled those territories, and they did not, um, it, they ended up owning some land later, but I won't talk about that. The point is, they weren't even promised an inheritance of land, and they, they had to live off of the flourishing of the whole nation as they attended to the things of God. Does this make sense? So if Jeremiah was faithful to God, he, he would grow up with these truths shaping his perspective. And at some point, it, like, we see that God comes to speak to him and calls him as a prophet. He said, and, and I read this a few weeks ago in 1, 5 through 6. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Then said, this is Jeremiah, but Lord, I cannot speak for I am a youth. Like, this is a very common reaction in scripture. Like it's the reaction of Gideon. Gideon's like, but I'm of the least of the tribe. It's the reaction of Mary. It's the reaction of many people in scripture. But I am of a youth. And this is, this is common that people who get called by God don't see themselves as qualified. And God uses that humility, but he releases upon that humility a confidence that they have been made a prophet. And so as Jeremiah's life begins to shape and his message begins to shape, he begins right out of the, right out of the gate, he begins to speak to the wickedness. He begins to prophesy against the wickedness and the evil of the nation. And then he's also reminding them of the faithfulness of God. And so if you read the book of Jeremiah, you will see this back and forth between you guys need to get it together, you need to repent, you need to return, and then you see Jeremiah reminding them of the 
faithfulness of God. Everybody with me thus far? And so one of Je Jeremiah's main adversaries in the midst of this assignment that God gives him is the presence of these other prophets who are giving words, dreams, and visions that God is not blessing. Um, Jeremiah, he says that in verse eight, seven, chapter 7, verse 8, he says, Behold, he's speaking to Israel, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Like, there are words that people are giving you that no matter how eloquent or powerful or right or how much Torah they, you think they quote, like, they're just not the words from the Lord. And so Jeremiah is contending against this. And people try to kill Jeremiah because of his words. Like, all of these things are happening. And there's two issues, and, and we'll move through this quickly, but there are two issues that I want you to see that Jeremiah has. He outlines this in Jeremiah 23. If you want to go read it, you can. He says, firstly, these prophets who are speaking to you, they're really immoral. They lie. They are adulterers. They're greedy. They're just not good people. And these are the people that you're listening, listening to. They're, they're not good. The second thing, which is the key thing I want you to see, both are important, is that they keep prophesying about a, a peace for Jerusalem that's close and eminent. So look, look what verse 16 says. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. Boy, don't listen to people whose words make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart. I don't have time to cover this, but this is, you could describe our entire culture by this one phrase. They speak a vision of their own heart. Not from the mouth of God. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you'll have peace. And to everyone according, who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, no evil shall come upon you. So you've got bad prophets who are prophesying that there is going to be a quick peace for Israel. They're, they've got all these enemies, particularly, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, but they've got all these kings that are surrounding them. And there's a, this prophetic word that they're going to have a quick peace. And Jeremiah is saying that's not what God is saying. So now we're going to read the fig prophecy. I'm going to read to you from the message. You can follow along. And we'll go into this. God showed me, this is Jeremiah speaking, two baskets of figs placed in front of the temple of God. This was after Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah from Jerusalem into exile in Babylon, along with the leaders of Judah, the craftsmen and the skilled laborers, in one basket, the figs were of the finest quality, ripe and ready to eat. In the other basket, the figs were rotten. So rotten they couldn't be eaten. I didn't get the, that translation that gave us all that fun language there. But God said to me, Jeremiah, what do you see? Figs, I said. Excellent figs of the finest quality and also rotten figs. So rotten they can't be eaten. Then God told me, this is the message from God of Israel. The exiles from here 
that I've sent off to the land of Babylonians are like the good figs, and I'll make sure they get good treatment. I'll keep my eye on them so that their lives are good. I'll bring them back to this land. I'll build them up, not tear them down. I'll plant them, not uproot them. I'll give them a heart to know me. They'll be my people, and I'll be their God, for they'll have returned to me with all their hearts. But like the rotten figs, so rotten they can't be eaten, is Zedekiah, king of Judah. Rotten figs, that's how I'll treat him and his leaders. All with the survivors here and those down in Egypt, I'll make them something that the whole world will look upon as disgusting, repugnant outcasts. Their name used as, a curse, as curse words wherever in the world I drive them. And I'll make them, make them die like flies from war, starvation, disease, whatever, until the land I gave to them and their ancestors is completely rid of them. Tough word. But I want you to see the heart of this prophecy. The heart of this prophecy is the very middle of this chapter when Jeremiah says these good figs who are going to be brought to this land in captivity, I will give them a heart to know me. I will give them a heart to know me. What, what happens a lot of times is that in absence of relationship with God, we just start applying optimism and equating it with faith and believing that God is going to bring some answer that he's not necessarily bringing in this moment. And God invites us rather into his process where we go in to his leading and in the process of his leading, he makes us into something that's tasty, that's good, that's wonderful. And, and he gives us the heart to know him. Now, when I was a kid, I've shared the story, but I want kids, I want you to hear me and listen to me for a second. Um, I've shared this story on new, numerous times, but I felt like the Lord told me to, to share it again this morning. When I was a kid, my family went through a time where the, there was not a lot of peace in our home. It was a very difficult time for, for my parents but it was the moment when I was a kid that God gave me a heart to know him. That was the moment when I went up into my room and I began to pray and to talk to God and he began to talk to me. And in the place, in the bad place, God made me a good fig. Does this make sense? In the, in the tough place, God made, gave me a heart to know him. I felt like, I feel like the Lord, before I want to continue on preaching, I feel like the Lord this morning for kids, I want you to hear me. I, I prayed, even in our pre-service prayer, that God would give kids in this house a heart to know him. That he would give kids in this house a heart to know him. And I want you to hear me like, if there are any kids in this place, I want to give you a chance to be prayed for. If there are any kids in this place that you hear that and you say, I want a heart to know God, I want to tell you something. 
He is the one who gives it to you. Your parents can't give it to you. You can't just stir it up by yourself. He will give you heart to know him. And if you want him to do that, I want to, like, this is specifically for kids. If you want him to do that, I want you just to be brave for one second, and I want you to stand. If there's any kid who's willing to stand and say, God, give me a heart to know you, I want you to stand. Okay. Can you put your hands on those kids, like, just around you? And if there's any kids, let's keep letting the kids be the only ones standing. If there are any kids who you still want to stand, I want to start by doing this. The Lord told me to give the first kid to stand this fig. And Luke, I want you to know that God's given you a heart to know him. And I just want that to be a reminder for you. You probably don't want to put it in your pocket because it may just squeeze and put juice all over you. Um, but we're going to pray. Three more girls over here. I want you to stand around a minute. I want you to pray that God will give you a heart to know you. So, Lord, right now, I pray that you would release your spirit over these kids and that you would give them a heart to know you, that you would make them the good and ripe figs that are good fruit, that are a blessing, and that you would take them full the, through the full process of making them ripe and good in the glory of God. In Jesus' name, we bless them right now with a heart to know you. Amen. Okay, you can sit down. Thank you, Luke, for starting the wave. you to see again the difference between the false prophets who are prophesying this like it's going to be okay and the holy prophet of God who is saying wait there's going to be a time of captivity I'm going to bless you there I'm going to make you right things I want you to see the, the difference between these two is that does do you believe that Jeremiah believes that God wants to bless Israel Yes. Do you believe that Jeremiah believes that God is faithful and good? Yes. yes. One of the things that we do, though, is that we misapply certain truths in Scripture out of context and out of season. The thing that made the false prophets prophesy falsely is that they were, they were prophesying something that was true in the wrong season. Like, does God want evil to come to his people? Does God want them to be in peace? Yes, but they were taking those truths and misapplying them out of season. Because God does not just want us to be those who integrate the truths of Scripture in a vacuum. He wants us to be people who are sensitive to what the Spirit is saying right now. Like, it is not... Um, I feel like that there is this deception that's come into the church that we think that like being led by the Spirit or hearing God is like this graduation thing that you get into, this tertiary sort of 
extra benefit that you get. I want you to know it's actually the foundation through which we live life. That we are those who are led by the Spirit. And so Jeremiah is prophesying to this group of people that God's going to take them into Jerusalem. He's going to bring them back. That he's still going to work with them, but it's going to be a process and that they will have to submit to that process to become holy. And sometimes we have to submit to the process of God to be made holy into what he has made us to be. Amen? So I want to finish. I'm going to try to be short because we've got kids in here. I want to finish jumping back to the core text that I started the series on, which is Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I want you to see how this, this applies to Jeremiah. So I want to have everybody stand up with me for a second. I'm going to ask you to do something really weird. Not that weird, but just kind of weird. Um, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I'm going to read it to you. It says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies. Here's what we're going to do. Just, just for a minute, when we say present our bodies as a living sacrifice, when I read that out loud, if you can, if you, if you physically can't do this, then don't worry about it. But everybody who can, I want you to lay on the ground for half a second. <laughs> you can do it however you are comfortable with. <laughs> you can sit, you can lay down. I want, I want us to find some way to visualize this for, for everybody here. So I'm going to read this out loud. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Everybody find something. <laughs> there you go. All right, now you can stand back up. <laughs> all right, we're going to keep reading. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let's all raise our hands for spiritual worship. Which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's a point for our mind. That by the testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Okay, you can sit down. We're going to redo this at the end. <laughs> I want you to see what happens with the life of Jeremiah. The false prophets have given themselves to greed and immorality and sin, and Jeremiah has given himself to a life of righteousness and holiness. He has presented himself now somebody, can you shout out to me what has been the outcome in his life of being able, of him presenting himself as a sacrifice? What is the outcome of that from this verse? Anybody wants to shout it out? Just think to the end. Pleasing. Pleasing, yes. Yes. What's the very end of the scripture? He is able to test and approve what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will. So, you have these false prophets. I wish I had brought some bad figs. I could just mash one and we can do it. But you have these false prophets over here who are telling everybody, this is the way you should go. They're living a life of sin. They're living a life of unrighteousness. And because of that, they have no flipping clue 
what the word of God is. And then you have a man who is yielding himself over and over and over and over and over again to God. And what does that yield in a person? It yields in a person an ability to be able to know what God's will is. And so if you kids, adults, everybody here, if we want to take the life of Jeremiah as a lesson to us in holiness, if I present my life to him daily and over and over again, that is how I will hear God. The outcome of the presentation of my life as a sacrifice will result in my discernment of his will. Amen? It's, it's, what is the spiritual worship? What is the spiritual worship? The spiritual worship, what the heck does even spiritual mean? He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual worship. What does spiritual worship mean? When we see the word spiritual in the Bible, it's referring to a life that we live that's not just by natural sight. It is by a sight that encompasses what God is doing. And so the reason that Jeremiah can know what is the in-season time to, prop, to say, you're, you, I'm going to have to take you to captivity, and then peace is going to happen, is because he became in that process a spiritual person. In the process of submitting himself, of listening, God came and anointed him, and he had the ability to hear and be a person who is spiritual. I want to tell you this. He has made you to be spiritual. He has made you to be people who hear and see with the eyes and ears of the spirit. Like you will not, the purpose of the scriptures is for you to know God. There have been plenty of people who have read all the scripture and, and, and studied it and, and drawn into it who have not known God. That's Saul as he's walking to the road to Damascus. God comes and he says, who you persecute, it's me. I don't, it's so hard to see how profound this is, but you need to see that the false prophets are being held accountable by God for saying that evil won't come to you and that peace, God's promising you peace. How easily could I make the argument for that prophecy in Scripture? Very easily. Like, it isn't enough for me to just know the Bible. I have to know God. I have to become a spiritual person who is willing to be led by the Spirit. You say, well, how the heck do I do that? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is holy and acceptable. This is your spiritual worship. The product of that is that you will be able to test and know what is the will of God. Does this make sense to everybody? And I believe that the, that's the core of this, of this uh, scripture, Jeremiah 23, as he says, I'm going to build you, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to watch out for you, and I'm going to do one thing that's most important. I'm going to give you a heart to know me. And I believe that the Lord wants to release this morning a heart to know him. That is what it means to be a good fig. Is that we would have a heart to know him. Do you know what the patterns of this world is? The patterns of this world would take scripture 
and apply them in optimism and cynicism. How many of you get really optimistic and then it hits you in the face for a while? How many of you do that? You like charge yourself up with positive thinking. And then when, when that doesn't work out, you go over here to cynicism because you're like, well, nothing can touch me if I'm just really skeptical, right? How many of you have gone back and forth between those two? Those are patterns. And you can take scripture and apply them to the patterns of your thinking, but that's not what God is inviting you to do. He's inviting you to grow up to be a spiritual holy person who can actually take this word and apply it in a way that's right, that's beautiful, that's good, that's true, but that requires you becoming a spiritual person. That's a maturity. Somebody tell me, how, do, how does that maturity happen? Like we just, we've been talking about it. Yell it out. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. If I do that, I will become the spiritual person. Okay, I'm going to skip a lot of notes. We're just going to we're just going to crash land this plane. Everybody, stand up. Too much to cover. In order for you to live out the holiness of God in your life, you're going to have to be more than just clean. You're going to have to become a person who's deep in spirit. Who has, in the process of doing this over and over again, you've learned to test and approve. So I want us to do it one more time. I'm going to read it out. And then we're going to pray. So, I'm going to read. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Find a place. Alright, let's keep reading. Holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. <laughs> Do not be conformed to this world, but, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that, that by testing you may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is his good, acceptable, and perfect will. Amen. I'm going to pray right now. And if you, if you just want a dose of this that we prayed for with the kids, if you want to be a good fig, I'm going to pray that God's going to give us a heart to know him. Just, just open up your hands. God, I pray that you would give us a heart to know you. God, that you would give us a heart to know you, Lord. I pray that you would release that over every person in this place, that you would deepen the heart to know you. I just, I, I feel like that God is drawing us into deeper water. And so, Lord, just do that right now. Holy Spirit, come. Somebody shared this, this with me this week, and so I'm giving this to you. I feel like some of you, you're going to realize that your thoughts have become prayers. You're going to realize that in your thinking, you've begun praying. Some of you are going to realize that God is speaking to you while you're working. He's speaking to you while you're parenting. He's speaking to you um, everywhere in your life. And so, Lord, I just pray that there would be an environment in our lives of ceaseless prayer, an ending prayer that would release over this body, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode from Clearpath Church in Dallas, Texas. If you'd like more info to visit us on a Sunday morning or to subscribe to our newsletter, 
Check us out at www.clearpathdallas.com. Follow us on Instagram at ClearPathDallas. Thanks for listening. Zoom.